The following sermon was delivered by Associate Pastor, Reverend Werner Ramirez, in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here is Reverend Ramirez. Our scripture reading today comes from Exodus 16, and it's a little bit on the longer side, so I invited some friends for some hope. Hear the word of the Lord. The whole congregation of the Israelites sent out from Elim, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out on into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening, you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him. What are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked up towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. <laughs> Some left parts of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, as much as each needed. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much food, two omers apiece, when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake 
and boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to keep, be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not become foul, and there were no worms in it, Moses said. Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, and they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, God gives you food for two days. Each of you stay where you are. Do not leave your place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, in order that they may see the food with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the covenant for safekeeping. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth of an ephah. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. A few years ago in the pre-pandemic world, my wife April and I, we were at a holiday party and we were talking to this couple who had a three-year-old and they told us that they were doing everything they could to try to get their three-year-old into the right preschool. And I assumed that that meant the right preschool near their home or one near their job. I was wrong. They were trying to get their child into an elite preschool. So they hired a tutor to help give their child the best chances to get into that school. But then they told us that the tutor resigned and said, I cannot work with your child. I cannot pay attention for more than 30 minutes. This baffled me. I'm 36 years old and I cannot pay attention for more than 15 minutes. <laughs> now, I understand wanting the best for your child, but pressure like that cannot be healthy. And to be honest, that's the same pressure, that's, that same pressure is no different from the grind culture of this country and this city. I wonder what kind of burnout we are headed for because of our lack of willingness to simply be human. We know how this culture has exacerbated our land and is making our earth tired and sick. But what if it didn't have to be this way? What if a three-year-old can simply be a three-year-old? What if we were able to be human and allow our bodies and our minds to rest? What if the land were able to simply be the land and we harvest it, we harvest what it gave us? Which brings us to the passage that we just read. The Israelites were hungry and tired and complaining to God for some food. But a little context. Before their dramatic exit out of Egypt in Exodus 12, the Israelites were in Egypt for 430 years. And at the beginning, some of the first generation of Israelites had some privilege in Egypt under Joseph's leadership. But as they grew larger in size, they were taken captive by the Pharaoh. 
and they were enslaved and put to work. They made bricks and bricks and even more bricks. And they cried out in anguish because of their oppression. And God heard their cries and sends help, sends Moses to lead them out of Egypt. But Pharaoh did not want to give up so easily. In fact, he wanted them to continue working and made it even harder for them by taking away their materials and taking away their straw. So now the Israelites had to produce the same amount of bricks, but finding their own material while still trying to make their daily quota. To Pharaoh, they were not people. They were brick makers. Their worth and identity was not based on something larger, but purely on how many bricks they could make. They were what they produced. Yet we know that God rescues them out of Egypt again in dramatic fashion. Moses spreads his arm, the Red Sea parts, and they leave Egypt and head to the promised land. But let's not get it twisted. It's not happily ever after as soon as they leave Egypt. You have to remember that they are still a traumatized people. All they've known was being beaten down and making brick by brick by brick. So what are they supposed to do now? There's a scarcity of food, and instead of trusting God, they say, why are we here? We were better off enslaved in Egypt. We were better off slaves. At least we had food there. But God listens to their cries and gives them manna and quail. And each day they were to collect enough food for that day, but just enough for that day. If they collected more, it would go rotten and worms would eat it up. On the sixth day, they were to collect double the portion and then rest it on the seventh day. That was the command God gave to Moses and then given to the Israelites. But I need you to wonder how incredibly hard this is for them. They have to fully trust in God in this situation. In the previous years, there was barely any food. They had to scrape by with what they had. So if there is manna out in the field, and I could collect a little extra and eat some more the next day, I probably would. But if they did that, the manna would go foul. So they would collect enough for that day and then trust that God would provide the very next day. And then on the sixth day, they would gather double the portion because they were to rest on the seventh day. And again, they had to trust in God that it would not spoil like the other days. I don't know if I could trust that much. But they had to trust the giver of the food. They had to trust the giver of their labor and not in the labor itself. You see, for hundreds of years, they were told what they were, what they, what they produced. You're worth how many bricks you make. They were physically enslaved, but they were also mentally enslaved. And now that they left Egypt, God is telling them gently a different story slowly but surely getting them out of the system of telling them that they are worth what they produce. In a sense, God is telling them, you are not the bricks that you used to make. You are not the manna that you collect, but you are mine. The command to keep Sabbath is not an odd legalistic command, but it is a gift to the people of God. It is grace to remind them that they are beloved children of God. So friends, I want you to hear this clearly. You are not the bricks you produce. You are not how much money you make or don't make. You're not that grade on that test. You're not that time on your swim meet. 
You are more than that. You are loved and you are enough right here and right now. And the command to have Sabbath, to have rest, is grace. It is the gift given to you so that you remember that you are not what you produce. But accepting this is easier said than done. The word Sabbath literally means to desist or to stop. But how on earth do we do that in the city that never sleeps? How do we do that in a culture that tells us go, go, go? To Sabbath, to rest, is truly countercultural. And taking Sabbath can be a struggle. It was a struggle for the Israelites, a struggle for the Pharisees in Jesus' time, and it's a struggle for us. But can we accept this disorienting grace? I think we can. But it takes discipline, and it takes practice, and it takes a community to help make it accessible for everyone. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. It takes them a whole generation to try to get them out of the mentality that they are worth more than the bricks they make. How long is it going to take us? Will it take us a whole generation as well? If so, we better start now. We can begin by teaching our children what it means to Sabbath. It pains me to see the anxiety and the pressure that we have put on our children. Grades, sports, activities, and even their own hobbies are now put into place to make them succeed to go to the next spot. Whether it's getting into the right high school, the right college, or getting that right job. Yes, hard work is important and it's something we must teach our children but is it coming at the cost of their identity? Are we turning our kids into brick makers and valuing them simply by what they produce? I'm afraid that at times we are, and the pressure to succeed must be suffocating. It must be exhausting. What if the remedy to that exhaustion was to let them know with our words and with our actions that they are enough right where they're at? What if we modeled for our younger generations that we need rest as well, and then we actually take it? Now you might be wondering, what does this have to do with our fall theme of holy ground and how we care for our environment? In this passage, the people have to trust in God that there would be enough. And at times, they didn't, and they would hoard the manna and the quail. And I think we run into a similar mindset and do not think that there is enough resources for everyone. So we hoard those resources. And then we just become greedy. We hoard food and waste food. We hoard oil, wealth. And I wonder if we hoard education as well. And because of that, our land and our earth, it takes a beating. Two weeks ago, Pastor Scott imagined what it would be like if we gave the land jubilee. And gave it the rest that it desperately needs and yearns for. And I think Scott is right. We have treated our land as if it was simply a gift giver of resources, and we take advantage of it like the giving tree. And perhaps one of the reasons we do that is out of fear that we wouldn't be able to survive. How are we going to survive if we give the land rest and jubilee? How am I going to get my carne asada tacos if we produce less meat? How are we going to travel if there isn't as much oil? I wonder if our fear of scarcity is directly related to our lack of rest. Our grind culture has made it so that we rely on ourselves and our own work 
And then we forget to trust in our creator and the divine. I wonder if rust can break the chains of this mindset. And when we remember that we are loved and enough, then we also remember there is enough food and resources for everyone. And we all can have enough while still giving the land the rest and the break that it needs. Remember in the passage, the Israelites are commanded to simply gather enough just for that day. What if we harvested and gathered simply what was enough instead of forcing more on our earth? Trisha Hersey, a womanist theologian and founder of the NAP ministry, that's right, the NAP ministry, she preaches that rest is resistance and that rest can help us liberate us from the mindset that we must always be on the go. The same kind of mindset that was forced on the Israelites in Egypt and the same kind of mindset that was forced onto slaves in the United States working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I highly recommend you check out the NAP ministry, or if you're more of a podcast kind of person, uh, Glennon Doyle interviewed her on her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, and it's a really great listen. But she describes that rest is not simply to rejuvenate ourselves so we can go back and do the same work over and over again and feed the same machine. But rest gives us the imagination on how we can do better for this world. Because when we rest, she says, we also dream. What if when we rest and dream, we're able to think of more creative ways in which we can love the land better? What if in our rest and our dreams, we can come up with a better system for our teenagers so that the pressure to succeed does not drive them to depression and anxiety? What if rest can help us change the world? She says in the podcast, exhaustion is not going to be generative to get us to allow us to be imaginative, inventive, subversive, and all the true things we need to move our culture to be freedom for all people. We cannot get there when we're exhausted. We can't do justice when we're exhausted. So friends, take a break and remember to breathe. It takes the Israelites a whole generation to move this mindset, and it may take us a whole generation as well. So let's start today. Rest with your children. Rest with your friends. Rest yourselves. And if you are a boss and you have people working under you, you as their boss, take your days off. Model it for your employees and make sure your employees are getting the same Sabbath rest. Rest is going to look different for everyone. For some, rest is hiking. For some, it's cooking or exercising or hanging out with friends. But for all, for all of us, it's a healthy amount of sleep. There is no rush to get Sabbath right, but God has given us this commandment as a gift. So receive it. And may it, may it allow us to dream a new way of being and a new way of how we treat the land God has created. May rest be the gift you need to remind yourself that you are indeed loved and you are enough. Friends, may you leave with a peace that surpasses all understanding. May you go with the gift of holy rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. 
thank you and blessings to you on this day.